welcome to the Cake Sugar Coach podcast. Join me each week as I interview experts who will share the science of sugar, sugar addiction, and different approaches to recovery. We hope to empower you with the information and inspiration, insights, and strategies you need to break up with sugar and fall in love with healthy whole foods so you can prevent and reverse chronic disease, lose weight, boost your mood, and energy. Feel free to go to my website for details on my coaching programs and to access free resources, kicksugarcoach.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Kick Sugar podcast. I'm here today with Deanna Mayo, and she is a fellow uh, woman who struggled with food, with her weight, with yo-yo dieting. She's actually currently a multipreneur. She has many different uh, businesses in different areas. She's also, and interestingly, a performing artist. She's a singer, and I think one of her favorite genres is jazz, and she has a very interesting website around that. She's always been a teacher and a coach uh, right from like, childhood, gathering the neighbor kids together to teach to them, and that has carried on through throughout her life, throughout her career. And for our purposes, she's going to share today her journey with with her, with her weight, with her body, with her relationship to food, but ultimately, and most importantly, the relationship with her mind and her thoughts and how she said that when she was in high school, when she was in her teens, you know, she was like praying for curves and then in her thirties got more curves than she wanted. And that began a a journey of yo-yo dieting. And then she started to figure out how do I ally with my mind? And she says today, the secret to my success is being able to ally with my mind. So welcome, Deanna. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So tell us a little bit about <clears throat> your struggle in your 30s. Um, you know, what, what what was it like before you became an ally with your mind and you were still caught in these self-destructive patterns around food and weight? And Sure. Well, as you said, I, you know, wanted curves when I was a teenager and in my young 20s, um, so much so that I would daydream about Uh, I read a book once about a girl that um, she broke her leg. And so she was going to be laid up all summer and wouldn't be able to do her cheerleading and whatnot. And I thought, oh, I bet she's going to gain a lot of weight and she'll have breasts and she'll have hips. And I wanted that. I had been a dancer since I was two years old. And so I was very, very active, which I loved dancing. I still do. And the discipline of it all. Um, But that meant I burned a lot of calories. Then something shifted (laughs) magically, not so magically as it does. And I think the combination of hormonal changes and lifestyle changes, because I was about 30 when I quit my last job job and started my journey as an entrepreneur and those lifestyle changes fed into as well as the hormonal changes, my starting to gain weight and looking back on all of it now. I can see anytime I was in a relationship that wasn't healthy, I was gaining weight. Every time I was in a job that wasn't working out the way I'd liked, I was gaining weight. And it started to click. It didn't really impact me, though, until that light bulb, rock bottom sort of moment. I was sitting at home and somehow I convinced myself I needed to run to the store to get something, but really I was going to get candy. And, you know, I had been raised where sugary treats were rewards. They were what you got when you were um, bored. 
when there was anything to celebrate at all. I mean, I was raised in a partially Italian American home and food was love. So I drove to the store and I bought my candy and I came home and I convinced myself that I would only eat one piece a day. I started watching something on television and I looked down and the whole bag was empty. And I didn't remember eating it. And then that was when I said to myself, I have a problem. This is not okay. And I can do something about it. I mean, it's been a rocky road since then, right? Anyone who struggles with sugar cravings or really any kind of craving or addiction knows it's a journey. We're never perfect or finished. Um, I've had my ups and downs. I still have ups and downs. They vary depending on, you know, what's going on. But that was the moment when I said, okay, something's got to give here because I can, I can solve any problem. My mind is capable. I can learn new skills. This is not something I want to live with for the rest of my life. Where did you go from there? Like, did you ask for help or did you start researching or? Uh, You know, I, I mentioned it to my sister and maybe a few other girlfriends that I trusted. And I didn't take a whole lot of action. I tried to do it by willpower, right? And as you and I both know, we were just talking about that does not work. Or at least I should say it doesn't work for me. And it hasn't worked for most people I've met and worked with. And I really started to ask myself, what is it that causes me to reach for this thing that I know is poison to my body. I never felt good after having sugar. Um, I wasn't very aware of how much it impacted me until I had a whole lot at once, right? And then it was like, wow, I feel so bad. My energy's low. My mood is down. I'm depressed. Um, I, you know, my my digestive system doesn't feel right. But I wasn't in tune with my I wasn't in tune with my body. So I know now even the tiniest bit of sugar impacts me negatively, but I wasn't in touch with what was going on in my body, which really bothers me having been a dancer, right? Like we're in tune with our bodies, but I think it was a defense mechanism. The food that I was eating, usually sugary treats, candy, desserts, and whatnot was, yes, my body was asking for it, but the whole thing started and was amplified by what it was doing for me subconsciously. Right. And it wasn't until I decided to add hypnosis as a skill set to actually for a completely different issue that I went, oh, wow, this is what's going on with sugar. I just tried to manage it by eating healthier foods and delaying and not having that much. And then, you know, if I had a bad day, no matter how, you know, quote unquote, how bad it was, I found myself reaching for these things that I knew weren't good for me and I just couldn't seem to stop. It wasn't until I started really learning about the subconscious mind that it clicked for me that that was where my solution was going to lie. Oh my gosh. Well, tell us about the subconscious and the solution. Yeah. Well, I'm sure many of your listeners know these things, right? And I know you do too. So it's a good reminder. And, you know, I just encourage everyone to listen with an open mind for Maybe now is the time you hear a little nugget shared a slightly different way so it can make an impact for you. Our mind does whatever it thinks it needs to do to keep us alive, not healthy, not happy, surviving. And just like any other computer, 
it can get programmed. Uh, those programs can be useful and helpful, like the ones we're using on our computers today to do this podcast, or they can be not so helpful, like a virus. Now, I've been on a Mac since 2011, so I don't identify with computer viruses anymore, but I certainly identify with viruses in my own programming. So all it takes is an instance where your mind makes a decision based on the information it has available, usually when you're younger, when you don't have as much information as you would have as an adult, and a program is written. And then that program continues to run and run and run and run until you rewrite it. And that's why, even though I had dieted and lost weight and kept it off for a period of time, the weight started creeping back in. Or why, when I told myself I'm not going to eat any more sugar, I found myself compelled to drive to Dollar Tree to buy a bag of candy because the program was still running. So even though I had set up these goals in my conscious mind, right? I'm going to exercise this many times a week. I'm going to get all my water in, though that's never really been a problem for me. I always have my water within reach. As a singer, that's very important. Um, Maybe it was about how much food I was going to eat or what kind of food I was going to eat or when I was going to eat. Consciously, I had all that planned out and my subconscious mind would thwart it every time because that old program was running. And usually, That program leads us to believe one of three things. And actually, my mentor says there's only three things wrong with everybody on the planet (laughs) or a combination of the three, right? A belief that's formed with age-appropriate information and brain power. I'm not good enough. I'm different and that's somehow bad and I can't connect because of it. Or what I want isn't possible for me. Right. And that might be, you know, I want to stop eating sugar, but I'm Italian and that's what we do. Food is love. Or I want to stop drinking alcohol, but I can't because my parents are alcoholics. Right. And you can rewire that programming so that you don't have to believe those things anymore. And then your conscious mind and your subconscious mind are collaborating towards the same end goal. So how do you, how do you, figure out what is the subconscious script or story that got locked in that's running running the computer behind the scenes Mm -hmm. well I think a lot of folks know if they really take the time to stop and reflect and think about it they know and even just hearing that list of those three things I'm not good enough I'm different I can't connect what I want's not available to me many people just now listening went oh that's the one for me we know And we can often, that can often move us in the right direction without more professional help, right? Just being aware of the thought then allows us to be less likely to fall prey to the triggers then, right? So that wasn't, that wasn't enough for me though. I needed help. (laughs) I needed someone to help me. And I also really desired the, and having been in the um, computer programming world and help desk world, I wanted to know the root cause, right? What were those experiences when I was younger, benign as some of them seemed, that caused me to believe those things? And I was able to do that through uh, a process with a qualified hypnotherapist. And it was incredibly healing to know, oh, that's it. That's why, really. 
and to start to put the pieces together of how I made those determinations when I was really young. So with respect to the three core themes, um, Marissa Peer, is that your mentor? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I read her book, you, you Are Not Enough, and I recognize yep. them. And so those themes, though, how do they link up with the, the, the more specific to you thought? I'm Italian. Italians eat. That's it's, right. It's just part of my heritage, right? That's right. Um, so how does that link up with one of the three sort of Marissa Peer type? Right. So things? I would say there were more things going on for me than just my heritage, right? I had had experiences where I believed I wasn't good enough. Now that wouldn't necessarily have been the language I would have said. I would have said, you know, I, I make a lot of mistakes. I should have known that, um, you know, anyone else would have figured it out before I did. Of course, all of those things are lies. And again, our mind believes what we tell it. So I was, I was replicating those deep beliefs in my self-talk all day, every day, mm -hmm. looking in the mirror, trying to get ready to go out and sing a gig and trying to figure out which outfit makes me look the least fat. I'm just going to use the words I used. Right. And I recall, uh, I recall a moment where I was walking past um, big mirrors in a house where I was staying. And I heard myself say to myself, fat old lady. Oh, ouch. Yeah. I mean, certainly I would never say that to someone. I wouldn't say it to a stranger or someone I care about. And that led me to understand just how little I was thinking of myself in that regard. Now, there were lots of other areas in my life where I was confident and capable and I knew it and I could speak it out. But there were many that I just had tuned out to because, again, that's a defense mechanism. If I'm paying attention to those things, how can I possibly keep earning a living, keeping my employees in their jobs, bringing in clients for the business, which is about survival? And my mind's job is to keep me alive, not necessarily happy and healthy. So the I'm not good enough thing, certainly, you know, and this is no fault of my parents or my sibling. Yeah. It's not about them. It's about us making determinations in the moment with the information we have at whatever age we were. And we lead ourselves to what seems like a logical conclusion, right? The paper plate spilled all the food everywhere because it, I had too much food on my plate. There's something wrong with me. I should have known to have grabbed three plates so that it was probably strong or put both hands underneath it, right? Um, I don't know that I ever identified personally as much with the I'm different and because of that, I can't connect. Maybe just a tiny bit having, uh, you know, didn't understand that I was highly extroverted, right? I need my energy and my cup filled up by engaging with other people. And so uh, you could have, you know, thought of me as talkative, which I am. And other things, but I didn't have an awareness that that was, I knew it was different than my, my mom, maybe not different than my sister. And there would be a couple instances where I would raise my hand in class because I knew the answer. And I remember once a kid saying, we know, everyone knows, you know, the answer. You don't have to raise your hand every time. Boom. That's the moment where, and again, this is all just age appropriate when we're, you know, trying to figure, our brain is trying to figure stuff out. So I think the third one was, you know, it's not available for me 
um, because there are other people in my family that have struggled with their weight because of the, you know, being half Italian. Um, oh, yes. And, yes. I yeah. See and then also, you know, um, and this again, no fault to anyone that was involved in my upbringing. Right. But looking back on it now and learning, you know, my, my parents, parents were, you know, depression era kids. So if there was food on the table, you ate it because you didn't know where you were going to get your next meal from. And you supplemented the protein, which, you know, was always meat back then um, with starches, potatoes, breads, rice, pasta. Well, right there, I've, I've listed all the foods that when I eat them, my body goes, no, stop. But I didn't realize that until much later in life. And then you look at sugar, which was everywhere is everywhere, easy to access, cheap, and it's fun. You know, candy wrappers aren't gray. They're not boring. They have fun pictures on them and bright colors. And so who would want that? Not to mention, you know, that you eat it right away. And you feel great for a little while until you realize what happens on the other side of the grate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's go back to the mind. So what kind of practical tips can you give people to help them understand what role subconscious beliefs are playing and sabotaging yeah. their, 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 their recovery uh, progress journey or in keeping them hooked into sugar and compulsive eating? Yeah. So first thing I would say is just start noticing what you say to yourself or what you say about yourself to other people. Right. and you might not think it makes a difference. Uh, what's the difference between saying maybe I'm carrying a little bit more weight than I'd like versus I'm fat? Trust me, there's a big difference because it's not just the words. It's the intention that you say the words with that your mind hears, the feeling you feel when you're saying that thing. I remember a scene from a film. It might be Three Men and a Baby. And, you know, they're completely not prepared to be taking care of a small infant. And there's a scene where Thomas Selleck's character is reading his sports illustrated magazine to the baby in these very sweet and soft tones, trying to get the baby to fall asleep. Right. And he's telling the story, you know, and then there was a knockout punch and the, you know, boxer fell to the floor with blood cascading, whatever it is. It doesn't matter as much what you say as it is how you say it or the feeling while you say it, right? Those two things together are magic. So just start noticing, what are you saying to yourself? I mean, the fact is it's a lie. So just tell yourself another lie instead because your mind doesn't care whether it's the truth or not. It listens and flip it into something that serves you better. So earlier, uh, about a year ago, actually, um, I found a lump in one of my breasts. It was about mm, 2.30 in the morning on a Saturday. and of course, my first thought was something negative. And my thoughts remained negative for a day or so until I thought, what am I doing? I know better than this. And so every time I thought about it, every time I went to feel and see if it was still there, like it would magically disappear. Every time I thought the word cancer, I immediately turned it around with, I am healthy. 
My body is powerful. It has phenomenal coping skills. I can handle whatever comes my way. I'm loved and supported and have all the tools and resources I need to overcome any challenge. And I may have said those things to myself a thousand times between the day I realized start, you have to walk through it anyway. Do I want to walk through the week feeling miserable and scared and sad and nervous? Or did I want to walk through it feeling empowered? Right? I couldn't speed up the clock to when my mammogram appointment was five days later. So I probably said those things to myself a thousand times over those next five days, but it made getting through the five days much better. And the end of the story is I'm completely fine and healthy. So whether my words had something to do with healing my body or not, I'll leave that to people, you know, for another day. I believe it to be true. I mean, your mind is placebo, right? That's how it all placebo got started in World War II because they didn't have enough morphine to give to soldiers. They'd tell them they were giving them the powerful drug and magically somehow the pain wasn't an issue. So as long as I keep my mind focused on what I want to be true, it listens. And that's the number one thing I would suggest to anyone listening is just start noticing and flipping it around. And you can even, you know, even if if you can't get there completely, just say, even though I feel sad, depressed, fat, lazy, whatever the negative thing you feel is about yourself. And then you can finish the sentence with something positive, right? So even though I feel so stressed, I want to eat sugar. I know I don't need it and it's not good for me. And so I'm not going to have it. I choose me over that, whatever works for you, right? And certainly working with someone, uh, you know, that shares the same uh, beliefs and can help you to discover root cause and get to, a, you know, an end result that you want even faster, like a qualified rapid transformational therapist like me or a hypnotherapist, or really get your healing however you need to get it. But there are solutions out there and you can have a different life. I'm living proof. Incredible. Amazing. Awesome. Is there anything else you would like to add about your journey and about the mind and harnessing it and understanding it? Well, I mean, you know, I could probably go on and on about (laughs) about all of that for hours. But the last thing I would want to leave everyone listening with is there's nothing wrong with you. Everything is working as it's supposed to. You just need a slightly different program and some antivirus software. That's it. And it's okay to ask for help. There are people in your life right now, in the world right now, that would love to be a part of your support team and help you so that you can come to a greater place of health and happiness because that just makes the whole world a better place. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you so much, uh, Deanna, for sharing your heart and your mind and your wisdom with us today. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in this week. If you would like more interviews, more information, and more inspiration on how to break up with sugar, go to my YouTube channel, Kick Sugar Coach, or my website, kicksugarcoach.com. See you next week.